0: This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time, from RelicRadio.com. Welcome back to the Relic Radio Show. Two stories every Tuesday, brought to you by RelicRadio.com. Our first story this week is from Have Gun Will Travel. We'll hear their story from May 24th, 1959, titled In an Evil Time. After that, it's Suspense and the Story of Ivy, their broadcast from June 21st, 1945.
1: As birds are caught in a snare, so are the sons of man snared in an evil time. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel, headquarters of a man called Paladin. Oh, hey, boy. Oh, you saw, oh, you yes, saw, Mister Paladin. Mister Malone and I are going up to my suite to finish our business. Will you bring up some whiskey and soda, please? You yes, saw Mister Paladin right away. This way, Mister Malone. Fifty thousand dollars. Quite a haul. I told you that off the record, Paladin. I haven't let the amount of our loss be known. Not only close the bank, it would ruin the town. I'd like to help you, Malone, but you don't give me much to go on. Here we are. Come right in. Thank you. Sit down. Oh, it was a cleverly planned robbery, all right. Five men, you say? Yeah, but when the deputies caught up with him just outside of town, there were only four. In the gunfight that followed, two were killed and two got away. And the fifth? He must have been the ringleader. We figure he ran out on his men with the money. Any idea who it was? I yeah, have every reason to believe it was Pappy French. Pappy French? You've heard of him? Yeah. Ever since I've been in the West, but I never believed in him. I always figured he was some sort of a legend. Oh. Pappy French is very real. Did you ever see him? No. Ever know anyone who did? No. And you want me to find him? I want you to find my bank's $50,000. Come in.
2: You wish your soda.
1: Oh, thank you. Hey, boy, I'm leaving in the morning. Oh, where you go this time, Mr. Paladin? I'm going to track down $50,000. And a legend.
2: This is Frank Knight speaking for the world's most honored watch, Longines. In the conquest of the Old West, men won fame through feats of bravery and daring. Today, things are different, but fame can still be won. It's wonderful to win a Nobel Prize in science, a Pulitzer Award in literature, an Olympic gold medal in sports. In the field of time, did you know that Longines watches have won more great public honors than any other watch in the world? This is true. The highest authorities have ranked Longine watches as the finest achievement in the science and art of watchmaking. Yet, for a surprisingly modest cost, you may own or proudly give a Longine the world's most honored watch, the world's most honored gift, styled with distinction, cased in precious metal, promising a lifetime of faultless timekeeping. Visit your authorized Longine Whitnor Jeweler. He will be honored to serve you.
1: Malone filled me in on the information he had, but it wasn't much. I had only a general direction and a cold trail. I wasted the first two days in a false lead, but shortly after dawn of the third day, I picked up some tracks that led through Timber and on into hill country. By noon, I began to think I was wrong again, and then I heard a single shot. I worked my way forward and stopped suddenly at the edge of a clearing. A man was sprawled awkwardly on the ground, his right leg crumpled under him.
3: I suppose you... Give me a hand
1: up, huh? Suppose you put that gun away.
3: Yeah, well, all right. Oh, well, come on. Come on, help me.
1: What was the shot I heard?
3: Oh, my horse. I, I couldn't stand it no longer. Watching the critter suffer. Stumbled he didn't come to grief. told me. Well, how about that hand up?
1: I'm afraid you came to grief too. It's like you've got a broken leg. Oh, you a doctor? No. Well,
3: how you know it's broke? Well, come on.
1: All right. Give me
3: in your hand. All right. Yeah. No. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh. 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 Now, hold, hold on. Oh. Just let me
1: catch my breath. We'll try again. Right now. Yeah.
3: No. Oh, no, no, no. Put me down. Oh. oh.
1: Maybe you better let me take a look at your leg.
3: You... You know something about setting bones?
1: Not to get you to a doctor.
3: No, I don't want a doctor. But if you know how, go ahead. You you fix it.
1: Well, I'll have to find something to use for splints. It'll hurt.
3: Oh, ain't nobody man enough to do a thing old Pappy can't take.
1: And you're Pappy French.
3: Yeah, maybe I am, maybe I ain't.
1: Well, what's it to you. Let's get you fixed up first. We can talk later. <laughs>
3: I guess, I, guess I, I passed out.
1: I guess you did.
3: Uh, say, that's a right nice job, mister. Good as any doctor could do. I reckon it'll get me where I want to go. Where's that? Well, I didn't ask you your business, did I?
1: Well, I don't think you'll get very
3: far on that leg. Oh, I don't aim to be walking. I aim to borrow your horse. Hope you got no objections, because if you do, I... Well, I...
1: This what you're looking for?
3: How'd you get my gun, How'd you get it?
1: I only agreed to fix your leg. Nothing more.
3: (laughs) Say, mister, you're pretty slick. (laughs) Yes, sir, I like you. Hey, listen here. You help me to get where I'm going, and I'll cut you in.
1: You cut me in on what?
3: A satchel with $50,000 in it. What would you say if I cut you in for, uh, oh,
1: maybe 10% of that? It depend on whose money it was.
3: It'd be your money after I give it to you. What do you want to ask many fool questions
1: for? I'd like to know what the prospects are before I drop my present job. Oh, what job's that? To recover some money robbed from the bank in Merced last week. Oh. Oh, is that so? Fifty thousand dollars to be exact.
3: <laughs> well now, ain't that a remarkable coincidence?
1: You can lead me to it?
3: I reckon I ain't
1: got much choice. Have I? Oh not much. Come to think on it, you ain't too good off your shelf. What do you need? You need lots of dollars
3: for cents. You you
2: You need Mutual of Omaha's longer, stronger hospital insurance. Modern hospital insurance that's right for you. Single men and women, entire families, even senior citizens, no matter how old, can be protected by Mutual of Omaha hospital insurance. Here's
3: what you need.
2: You need modern insurance to help meet today's higher costs longer, stronger hospital insurance by Mutual Benefit Health and Accident Association. Call your local Mutual of Omaha agent in the yellow pages, or write Mutual of Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska for information on plans available in your state. And remember this,
1: you can save money when you add Mutual of Omaha long-term coverage to your group insurance. The savings you make depend on your age and the type of group insurance you have. Write for details to Mutual of Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) The way Pappy pointed out led into rough mountain country. The going was slow and difficult. I walked, leading the horse while the old man hung in the saddle, gritting his teeth against the pain. then. Yeah?
3: Hey, uh, it might be a notion to stop and rest a bit. There's not much cover here, in case anyone's looking for you. Oh, who'd be looking for me, excepting you? You ran out on your partners on that bank job, didn't you? Well... You took the money and left them to fight it out with the deputies. All right, what if I did? I figured they was young enough to make themselves another stake. For me, it was my one last chance.
1: That's one way to look at it.
3: Oh, they probably all got killed anyway. Two of them got away. Say, is that so? Two of them, huh? They're probably mighty anxious to find out what their leader did with all that money. Well, well, was one of them a kid named Morley, a young punk with a two-hair mustache? Morley? Yeah, the other one they called Bull. Bull? Oh, he don't count, but that Morley... He did want to carve himself a reputation out of my hide. Oh, come on, let's move. All right.
1: No telling how close your friends might be.
3: Friends? Mister, 40 years I've been at odds with the law. I rode with many a man in that time, but you can't show me one I ever called friend.
1: Quite a record. I suppose you're
3: proud of it. Oh, lead the horse and quit preaching over me. I ain't dead yet. (laughs) Cold grub.
1: Mm. Well, we can't take a chance in a fire. Unless you'd like to have Morley in to dine with us.
3: Paladin, uh, what if I offer you half the money? That money's going back to the bank. Now, supposing uh, I changed my mind about showing you where the money's hid. You could do that. Well, all right, that's just what I'm going to do. Take me in. Have them lock me up. I don't care. You mean it? Yes, sir. The man who hired you ain't never going to see his money again. You finished with that plate? Yeah, yeah, here, here. Well,
1: well what you doing? Getting my gear together. Well,
2: well, where are you going?
1: Well, I'm not making any money sitting here looking at you. Might as well go back to town and get a good night's sleep in the hotel bed. What about me? I'll send some people for you in the morning. What, you... I'll tell them to bring both a stretcher and a shovel, depending on who finds you first, they or Morley. Uh Paladin, uh... You like me to make a fire before I go? No. It's pretty cold up here at night. I don't want no fire. Suit yourself. Good night, Pappy.
3: Paladin. Uh, Paladin. Yeah? All right, you win.
1: How's that? You win.
3: I'll take you
1: there in the morning. Just make up your mind, Pappy. One way or another, I'd like to get some sleep.
3: I still think you want it all for yourself, the whole 50,000. Well, that's always a possibility. Uh, I've seen lots of men talk big before they had Temptation Lane right in front of them. Uh, They sang a different tune. and
1: You may have a point there, Pappy. (sighs) Good night.
3: Hey. Ain't we going to share standing watch?
1: expecting company? Oh,
3: that Morley kid can track like an Indian. Oh,
1: uh, wake me when you get tired. I don't think it'll bother us until we got the money. Uh,
3: you expect me to stand watch without a gun?
1: Oh, yeah, here. Your gun. No. Don't go shooting at shadows now. It's the quickest way to attract visitors.
3: Listen, Sonny, I've camped out once or twice before in my life.
1: Sure, sure. Good night, Pappy.
3: <laughs> Think I need you, don't you? Uh, Pappy French don't need no man's charity. Paladin. Hey, Paladin. Hmm? Can you figure one good reason why I don't shoot you in the
2: back?
1: Five good reasons, Pappy. The bullets. They're here in my saddlebag. What?
3: Uh, that's a rotten way to treat a man.
1: Just before I fell asleep, I took a long look at Pappy French. Sitting alone, swinging an empty gun on the ghosts and torments of 40 years. I couldn't help him. I wished I could. Then I was awakened by a sound from out in the darkness, and I knew we had more than ghosts to think about. Hey, Pappy. Pappy. Uh Look here. Oh, I reckon I'm... Fine guard
3: you are. Listen, Paladin. Give me my birch. Take it easy, Peppy.
1: Hey, they've rode off. Now, what do you make of that? Well, they have us staked out now. Probably figure we won't start till sunup. Oh, and then they aim to trail us to the money and then move in on us. Why let them do the choosing? Let's go after them until we get the money. I'm not taking any chances on you getting shot. No, Paladin, you're a man
3: of sound reasoning. I figure maybe you'll listen to a deal yet. Feel able to travel yet, Pappy? Yes, of course I do.
1: I'll bring the horse up. Hey,
3: Paladin! Paladin! Would you let me keep 10,000 of it? That and a day's head start to the border?
1: (laughs) You don't give up easy, do you, (laughs) Pappy?
3: No, I don't. Might be something for you to keep in mind.
2: drop in let your hospitality show you're sociable in a modern manner Pepsi, you know is the favorite of the smart and young at heart
1: to Pepsi lately.
2: Paladin? Yeah?
1: Look behind.
3: That dust just over the far draw.
1: Yeah, they're gaining on us.
3: Well, why put off the job we gotta do with them fellas?
1: My job is to get that money.
3: Yeah, but this here's a good place for an ambush. Come on, give me my cartridges. We'll wait
1: for him. Pappy, we aren't shooting anyone in cold blood. What's the matter with you, boy? You've lived by your rules, Pappy. I'll live by mine. A
3: man does what he's driven to do. You can't escape your fate no more than you can pick your father. You really believe that, huh? I believe in making the best of a bad job. Forty years of it. Not a scar on my body, not a slash, not a bullet hole. And dang few days were spent behind bars. No oh, sir, Pappy French lived high on the hog. That's an impressive statement, Pappy. What have you got to show for us? Eh, uh, $42 and a handful of jingling silver. Comes to just a little better than a dollar a year. Yeah, that's how it figures, don't it? All right, hold up a minute. Now, you see the boulder on that ledge up yonder? Yeah. Under there is $50,000. Chance to live out my years in comfort and respect. That's it, huh? That's it. Well, go along, Go dig it up, paladin. And if you won't listen to reason... As soon as I get a chance, I'm, I'm going to fight you for it.
1: That boulder was heavy, and I was working against time. The men on our trail were closing the distance between us fast. And, Pappy, how did you ever move this boulder? The deputies
3: were close on me. Oh, there's lots of strength in a desperate man.
1: Oh, oh, it, it, it. There, there you is.
3: are. Now, it's very shallow. Now, once more, Paladin, will you make a deal? Nope. Oh. You going to take me in? It's all I can do, for your sake, Pappy. I'll never make it alone. There. Uh, uh, here it is. The satchel. Right, open it. There. Ah, oh, pretty, ain't it? Okay, I'll take it now. Pappy, I told you... The that's... bullets ain't in your saddlebag no more, Paladin. They're in this gun. Don't make a mistake, Pappy. You believe me now? Yeah, pretty stupid. We'll have Morley on us in a minute. That's what I'm aiming for. If I can't do business with you, I'll join up with them. The men you double cross? Sure. We'll just let bygones be bygones and get back where we started. You think you can do that? And why not? Well, you'll have a chance to find out. They'll be here any minute. Yes, they will. In the meantime, I might as lief have your gun.
1: After he took my gun, Pappy dragged himself to the rim of the ledge. And slowly, painfully, leaning against a rock, pulled himself erect the moment, I had a glimpse of the man he once must have been as he faced Morley and Bull. They circled to a stop below him.
3: Howdy, boys! Come on up! It's payday! Share and share alike! While well, you land, double-crossing, old fool, that's too good for you!
1: Pappy? Here, Pappy. Come on, here. Come on, i behind this rock. Give me back my gun. Oh, uh, okay.
3: Ah. How you hurt bad? You hear what he call me, old fool? Hey, we don't have much cover here. Don't you know when it's time to cut your losses? Go on, get out, save yourself. We'll get out of this together, Pappy. Or well, we won't get out at all. Oh, what's the matter with you, Paladin? Can you handle that gun of yours? Yes, I can. I got a few rounds left. and I'm going to crawl out there to the edge and make them count. No, Pappy. Oh, leave me be, Paladin. I got something to do. Don't smart, Alex. Hey, Marley!
1: Happy uh, I made him Happy Count, didn't I? Uh, yes, you did Here, let me Oh, no, it's
3: no use, it and Leave me be That dirty-nosed kid made his count, too uh, Oh, it don't matter I reckon I'm getting old for this game It's time to rest Man ought to know when it Time for him to quit. Ain't, ain't that right, friend?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's right, friend. Oh, Mr. Paladin, you look like you have most exhausting trip. I carry a saddlebag for you. Thank you, hey boy. You'll find a $50,000? Uh, yes. Oh, you bring it back? Yes, yeah, the $50,000 is in the bank where it belongs. You'll find a legend? No. No legend. I found a lonely, tired old man. A lonely, tired old man? That's right. Well, where is he? Uh, you you bring him back? No. There was a spot on the hillside where the old man had buried some dreams. I left him there. CBS Radio and its affiliated stations from coast to coast welcome seven new stations to the electronic fold. Beginning today, these stations will bring extra listening dimension to millions of Midwestern homes through the news of CBS News and programming of CBS Radio. Adding the laughter from Amos and Andy, Mitch Miller's sparkling Sunday sideshow of stars, the surprises of House Party, America's winning seven daytime dramas heard every weekday, and the entire week-long schedule only a network like CBS Radio can provide. A hearty welcome from the CBS Radio Network to station WKMH in Detroit. Station WKMF in Flint. Station WKHM in Jackson. Station WHLS in Port Huron. Station WLEW in Bad Axe. Station WSGW in Saginaw, all in Michigan. And Station WTOD in Toledo, Ohio. CBS Radio deems itself privileged to add its broadcast product to the outstanding local schedules of each of these stations. Dial in style with the new Midwestern affiliates of CBS Radio. Have Guns, Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman McDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Simon Winselberg and adapted for radio by Ann Dowd. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns as Happy French and Harry Bartell as Mr. Malone. This is Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Guns Will Travel.
4: Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, presents... Suspense!
5: Tonight, Roma Wines bring you The Story of Ivy by that high priestess of the art of suspense, Mary Bella Clowns and starring the young actress whose performance you admired in the picture An American Romance, Miss Anne Richards.
4: Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant,
5: as Roma Wines bring you a remarkable tale of suspense. And with the story of Ivy and with the performance of Ann Richards... As its extraordinary heroine, Roma Wines hope indeed to keep you in suspense.
6: The Story of Ivy. Ivy Lexton's own story is told to Victoria Matthews, an exclusive feature of the Morning Herald. I wrote it in the first person, Mrs. Lexton.
7: I hope you don't mind.
6: Oh, it doesn't matter so long as the story is accurate. You can understand my anxiety, Miss Matthews. After all, I owe it to my public.
7: Mm, yes, of course. Perhaps you'd like to read it through and make suggestions before signing the release. Oh, if
6: it's not too much bother.
7: On the contrary, hearing it in your own words would be a decided help to me.
6: Very well, Miss Matthews. I'll read it out then. Are you comfortable? Would you like anything? A cigarette, perhaps? Oh, it's unfortunate that I have no maid here with me at present.
7: Thank you. I'm quite comfortable. Please go ahead, Mrs. Lexton.
6: Very well. Chapter one. I was born in Hobbs Court, Soho, and I was christened Ivy Gudge. I hated my name, and I hated the sordid surroundings into which I had been born. And while yet a child, I made up my mind that wealth and position should be mine at whatever cost. As a child, my favourite book was the story of Nell Gwynne, the commoner who became the favourite of a king, And one sentence of Nell's, in the face of all her success, made an indelible impression on me. It was this. In life, I have never sought anything that did not seem to have been placed in my hands by Providence itself. At the close of my first season as an actress, our show was bankrupted by an embezzling manager. and I was left stranded in the provinces and stone broke. Many great gentlemen had shown me attentions and showered me with presents. I sought assistance from none of them. And it was Jarvis Lexton, a young man whom I'd scarcely noticed, who came to me in my hour of need.
7: Ivy, I know there are hundreds of men who adore you, men with titles, wealth, social position, much more than I can offer. But there's not one who loves you more than I do. Will you marry me, Ivy?
6: And I said yes, because it was offered. We were frightfully happy that first year of our marriage, and Jarvis was so generous humoring all my little whims, spending much more money on me than he could afford. It always gave him a thrill of boyish pleasure to see my portraits in the newspapers and magazines with captions such as, The beautiful Mrs. Ivy Lexton, wearing Vionette's latest creation, or Mrs. Jarvis Lexton at Ascot with Lady Hampton and Lord Rushworth. He kept a scrapbook of them and really seemed quite pleased about everything until one day,
7: I say, Ivy, don't you think you're being seen and photographed a bit too much with this fellow Rushworth?
6: Oh, but darling, I thought you liked having me hobnob with the peers of the realm.
7: What about this other chap, Roger Gresham? You know, it does seem a bit thick for me to work my head off 12 hours a day, figuring out ways to finance your clothes and jewels so you can be photographed with other men. It's got to stop in any case, Ivy. We're broke. Oh,
6: you mean our money is all spent up?
7: We're wiped out. The bailiff's attached my office furniture. I can't even pay the rental on this flat.
6: What are we going to do, Jarvis?
7: I'll let you figure that one out. You're so good at spending money, perhaps you can think of a way to make some.
6: So you see, Jarvis really made the suggestion to me himself. I don't know what we'd have done during the next few months if it hadn't been for the generosity of Roger Gresham and Lord Rushworth. Roger was only a young doctor starting out in practice and couldn't help a great deal of course though he was even fonder of me than Miles Rushworth, now that I look back on it. It was in July that things took such a distressing turn. I'd been out to dinner with Roger Gresham, and I asked him up to the flat afterwards to say hello to Jarvis and cheer him up. Poor Jarvis hadn't been feeling well lately.
7: Well, Ivy, this is a fine hour to come home to your loving husband. Where have you been?
6: Out, oh, Darling. Aren't you going to say hello to Roger?
7: I suppose I should thank him for keeping my wife amused. I I say, old fellow.
6: Roger has just been telling me the most fascinating things. He was called as an expert, you know, for the Crown and the Bronson case. I asked him to come up and tell you about it, darling, since you're such a detective fan.
7: Well, that's nice of you, Roger. Do tell me all about the Bronson case. Well, uh,
8: there was nothing so interesting about the murder itself. It was just a simple case of... Arsenic poisoning. You don't say. As, as a medical man, what interested me uh, about it was what a doctor ought to do in a case where he suspects a patient's being secretly poisoned.
6: What would you do, Roger?
8: Well, I... Uh, it's hard to say. If if you called in the police and your suspicions turned out to be unfounded, it would just about finish your career. i I suppose that's why so many poisoners get away with it.
7: <sighs> well, I... I guess I'd better be getting along. Drop in again sometime, Roger, and bring your own arsenic.
8: Jarvis! Well, well, cheerio. Ivy, see you later. Really,
6: Jarvis, I've never been so humiliated. You
7: know I don't like him. Why do you persist in bringing him here?
6: Why, darling, I do believe you're jealous.
7: Well, why shouldn't I be?
6: I like it when you're jealous. It's like old times, isn't it?
7: Do you deny that he's in love with you and that you've encouraged him? Him, and I don't know how many others.
6: Oh, now, darling, don't be like that. There's only one other. You admit it. Well, darling, we may as well be realistic. We're still stony broke, and you don't seem to have any prospects.
7: What are you driving at?
6: Well, Miles got back in town today, and I'm seeing him tomorrow night. Lord Rushworth, darling.
7: Well, oh, that titled idiot.
6: That titled idiot has been paying the rent on this flat for the past six months, if you want to know the truth.
7: Why, you little... Well, now, darling.
6: Can I help it if Miles Rushworth is awfully, awfully fond of me. And if it helps us, what's the difference?
7: Go on. I'm listening.
6: Darling, look. I'm just a burden to you at this stage, aren't I?
7: So you want me to give you a divorce, is that it? It
6: needn't make any difference between us, darling. As soon as I'm Lady Rushworth, I'll settle a nice allowance on you.
7: Are you serious?
6: Of course I'm serious, darling. Well,
7: I don't play your rotten, filthy game.
6: Jarvis! You
7: married me for richer or poorer, and you're going to stick to your bargain. And if you try to divorce me, I'll make such a scandal your precious Lord Rushworth will wish he'd never met you. In fact, I have a notion to do it anyway. Oh,
6: Jarvis, you wouldn't. That would spoil everything.
7: You're frightened, aren't you? Well, I'll give you your choice. Either you give up your boyfriends and keep me, or you'll lose all three of us. Which will it be?
6: Well... Well, all right, Jarvis. I'll tell Roger and Miles both. I can't see them again, ever.
7: Why didn't you just ask me to kill myself? I might have obliged if you'd been more honest.
6: Jarvis, you mustn't say such things.
7: You're poison to me. I ought to let you go. But I won't. And if it's any satisfaction to you, I'd be better off dead than with things the way they are. Oh.
6: see, Miles, I simply can't go on seeing you. It isn't fair to Jarvis.
9: Is he being fair to you?
6: You don't understand. I'm all he has left now.
9: You're so good, so innocent. Can't you see he's just holding on to you out of spite? Has he done one thing? Has he even tried to get a job so that he could support you? I married him for richer
6: or poorer, until death do us part.
9: Then I pray death be merciful to us both, Ivy.
6: Oh, you mustn't say such things. It's wicked. I'm sorry, my dear. Ivy,
9: I wanted to give you this little remembrance. I had hoped to give it you under happier circumstances, but please accept it now as a farewell present.
6: Oh, Lord Rushworth, you shouldn't have. It's
9: only a little thing, the little handbag you admired so much. We saw it in Cartier's window. Oh,
6: the one with the emerald clasp. Oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, it must have cost a fortune.
9: Look in the mirror. The emerald matches your eyes. You will accept it not you?
6: Oh, Miles, I'll carry it with me always.
8: Ivy, darling, come in, come in.
6: Oh, I was just in the neighborhood, Roger, and I thought that. Yeah,
8: yeah, let me take your things. I say, oh, what a smart handbag! Hmm, real emerald, isn't it?
6: Yes, Miles gave it to me. Isn't it lovely?
8: You know what it means, accepting a present like that from him.
6: Oh, don't be silly, Roger. It was a farewell present.
8: Farewell, darling. Do you really mean that,
6: Roger? Roger, please, please. What if your housekeeper walked in? Oh,
8: oh I'm sorry. Well, come along, darling. Come in here. I, I, I was just putting up a prescription.
6: What a queer sort of room. I never knew a doctor's surgery looked like this.
8: Weren't you ever in here before?
6: No. What's in that bottle?
8: Huh? Oh. oh, arsenic.
6: I thought it was a poison.
8: Well, it is. It's also a fine tonic, taken in the right amounts.
6: How much would it take to uh, kill someone?
8: Oh, about the same amount as the amount of sugar it would take to sweeten your coffee.
6: Oh, doesn't it give you an eerie feeling? What? That little glass jar, there's death in it. Prison, waiting to escape. Oh,
8: Aren't you being rather morbid?
6: <laughs> <laughs> Will you have one or two spoonfuls of death in your coffee, darling? <laughs>
8: <laughs> I say, you are a little Borgia, darling. <laughs> oh, it's my patient. Now, wait here, now. Shan't be a moment.
6: As soon as he'd left the room, I picked up the glass jar on the end of the table... Unscrewed the top of it, almost without being aware of what I was doing. How strange and exciting to know that death was in that jar. In those little white crystals. Then, as if some power outside myself had suddenly taken possession of me, I pressed the catch of that lovely jeweled handbag and commenced spooning out the white crystals. One, two, three.
8: To be so long, darling. Oh. I had to listen to a recital of the Colonel's symptoms. Oh,
6: oh, oh, that's all right. I, I was just fixing my makeup. I, I can't seem to find my lipstick.
8: My soul, girl, you're looking rather pale. Perhaps I had better prescribe a tonic for you.
6: Oh, no. I, I'm just a little tired, that's all.
8: Hello. What is it, Roger? Oh, nothing. I, I could have sworn I put the cap back on the spot. Oh, well.
6: On the bus, All the way back to Kensington, I kept wondering why I had done that funny thing. It seemed as if everyone was staring at me and at the little handbag with the emerald emerald clasp. In a momentary surge of panic, I wondered if they'd guessed my secret. The little white crystals of death I had carried away with me. For what? For whom? Then, of a sudden, it came to me. Providence had placed in my hands the means of helping my poor, unhappy husband. (laughs)
5: Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Miss Anne Richards, whom you have heard in the first act of The Story of Ivy by Mrs. Belloclowns, which is Roma Wines' presentation tonight of Suspense.
4: Between the acts of Suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. Gracious hostess, Elsa Maxwell makes this timely suggestion.
7: During the warm weather, I'd suggest you try America's smartest, coolest drink, refreshing Roma wine and soda.
4: So simple, and yet so charming. When the temperature soars, enjoy iced, thirst-quenching Roma wine and soda. Simply half-fill tall glasses with good Roma California Burgundy or Roma California Sauternes. Add ice cubes and sparkling water a little sugar if you wish, and for a decorative touch, garnish with cherries and slices of fruit. The secret of the flavorful goodness of Roma wine and soda is the distinguished Roma wine, unvaryingly good, always high in quality of bouquet, brilliance, and taste. The result of selected grapes, slowly brought to perfection in California's choicest vineyards, carefully, unhurriedly, guided to flavorfulness... By the ancient skill of Roma's famed wineries. Yet all this goodness is yours for only pennies a glass. Remember, because of uniformly fine quality at reasonable cost, more Americans enjoy
5: Roma than any other wine. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Ann Richards, who continues the story of Ivy... A play well calculated to keep you in suspense.
6: My husband's illness lasted only a little more than a week. But to me it seemed an intolerably long time. Thanks to the generosity of Lord Rushworth, I was able to have a nurse in to look after him. But I couldn't help wishing there was something more I could do for him. I'd used up nearly all of the poison I'd carried away that night from Roger's dispensary. But instead of the merciful death I had hoped it would bring, it seemed only to cause poor Jarvis to suffer more pain. There were only a few grains of the white crystals left in the bottom of the little handbag with the emerald clasp. And I hadn't the heart to go on with it. Besides, Jarvis' doctor was commencing to ask too many questions. I decided to consult another physician, and under the circumstances, Roger Gresham seemed the wisest choice.
8: Ivy, I came the moment I received your message.
6: He's suffering so dreadfully, Roger. I hadn't any idea it would be so painful.
8: You hadn't uh, any idea what?
6: Oh, I, well, I, I mean, he complained of a stomachache, and suddenly, and the. Night...
8: Where is he? i have a look at him.
6: In here. This is Doctor Gresham, nurse. How do you do, Doctor? Jarvis, I've asked Roger to look at you. You don't mind, do you,
7: dear? Get him out of here. I've been poisoned. He's the one who poisoned me. Get him out of here. Poor oh, boy. He's been that distracted, he has.
8: I'll just prescribe oh. a little sedative for him, nurse.
6: I'll go and order up some tea, Roger. You will stay, won't you?
8: Oh, yes, yes, thanks.
6: Oh, Mrs. Lexton, I was just
7: looking for you. Dr. Berwick is waiting in the drawing room with another gentleman, Mum.
6: I see what they want. Order up some tea, will you, dear?
5: Oh, well, there you are, Mrs. Lexton. Uh, this is Inspector
7: Orpington. The Inspector? Of uh, Scotland Yard, ma'am. Oh. Uh, Dr. Berwick tells me he has reason to suspect that your husband is suffering from arsenic poisoning, uh, Miss Lexton. Well,
6: oh, I don't understand.
7: Your husband keeps speaking of someone named uh, Roger Gresham. Uh, is that the name, Dr. Berwick? Oh, uh, yes, yes.
6: Why, that's Dr. Gresham. He's in there now with my mm?
5: husband. Good Lord. Well, uh, come along, Inspector. Uh, you'd better wait here, Mrs. Lexon. Uh...
6: Never until that moment had I realized how foolish my actions had been. Surely now they would suspect poor Roger. If there had only been someone to confide in, I felt so alone.
5: I'll have your license for this prison, do you hear me? Look here,
8: Beric. Mrs. Lexton never told me there was another doctor on the case. Oh, is that true, Mrs. Lexton?
6: Why, yes. Dr. Gresham is an old friend of mine, and I saw no harm in his looking in.
5: Well, nevertheless, I shan't sign the death certificate, not till there's a post-mortem.
6: Death certificate?
5: I'm sorry, Mrs. Lexton. It's our painful duty to inform you that your husband has just passed away. Oh,
7: poor John!
6: Ivy. Ivy?
8: Why haven't you called me before?
6: What's been happening? Oh, Roger, it's been such an ordeal you don't know. And that dreadful man, that inspector from Scotland Yard, has been here again asking questions.
8: What kind of questions?
6: Well, darling, I can't tell you everything over the telephone, but he said it was his duty to find out the truth.
8: The truth about what?
6: They found out that poor Jarvis died of arsenic poisoning. Suicide? The inspector says they know it was murder. Possible motive? could I have? None, of course, darling. But I was silly enough to let out to the inspector that you had been, well, fond of me in a sort of way. Are you there, Roger? Yes.
8: Yes, go on, I
6: Well, the moment I said it, I saw what a mistake I'd made. But he spoke as if he already knew such a lot. Or at any rate, some part of it.
8: What
1: part of
6: it? Well... That even if I didn't care for you, you had been very, very fond of me. Are you there, Roger? Yes.
8: Yes, Ivy. Go on. What else?
6: Well, he's certain to ask if I've ever been to see you at your house, I mean. Well, uh, of course, I said no. Are you still on the line, Roger? Well, you won't give me away, will you, Roger, darling? No.
8: No, don't worry. I won't give you away.
5: Roger Gresham. The jury, after a careful and patient hearing, have found you guilty of the willful murder of Jarvis Lexton sentence of the court upon you is that you be taken from here to a lawful place of execution and that you be there hanged by the neck until you be (laughs) dead. There,
9: there, my dear. You mustn't give way like this.
6: I can't help it, Miles. It's been such a shock. First poor Jarvis and now.
9: Well, it's all over now. Look here, Ivy, why not take a long voyage somewhere far away from here? The CM is marvellous for forgetting one's troubles. I make a fresh start somewhere. Uh, Rio, for instance.
6: Oh, I've always wanted to see Rio. Perhaps we can go there for our honeymoon. Honeymoon? Are you
9: thinking of remarrying?
6: Why, Miles, darling, of course. Don't you remember what you said? If I were only free, well, I'm free now. Ivy, I...
9: Well, I... I don't quite know what to say. I'm very fond of you, of course, and I'll gladly lend you any financial assistance, but as for marriage, particularly under the circumstances, you you must know there's been a great deal of talk about you and Gresham.
6: Oh, surely you don't believe those stories. There's never been anyone but you, Miles. If I'd met you before I met Jarvis... We could never have been in any case, Ivy. Surely you realize that. I'm not good enough to be Lady Rushworth. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, Too good,
9: if you like. It's not my choice in any case. I was born with this name, and I I have certain responsibilities. You you stuffy snob! Well, I I wish I could make you understand. There's my mother, for instance. She's an invalid, a know. And if I were to marry, well, you, I I believe the shock would kill her. But the things you
6: said, the present you gave me, what was I to think? Well,
9: I'm sorry if you thought I was leading you on. The night that I gave you the bag... The
6: emerald uh, bag. You were saving it for the kiss-off, was that it?
9: Well, that's rather a crude way of putting it.
6: It matches the colour of your eyes, you said. And I said I'll carry it with me always. (laughs) Funny, isn't it? Oh, Ivy, please, the servants. Don't you, Ivy, please me. I want them to hear. Perhaps the whole world will hear one day that Ivy Lexton poisoned her husband for Lord Rushworth.
9: Ivy, what are you saying? Two
6: lives weren't too much for Ivy to sacrifice, and the risk of her own life meant nothing. She wasn't good enough for the Lord.
9: you Dear, sweet little Ivy Lexton. Why, I can't believe
6: it. Well, let me tell you something you can believe. I never loved you. I loved your money and the title. I wanted to be a lady. Oh, what a joke. Well, I'm not sorry. I've always hated your kind deep down inside of me. Cowards. Cowards, all of you. Anything to save face. Anything. Roger Gresham going to the gallows because he's too much of a gentleman to tell the truth that I was in his flat the night Jarvis was poisoned. You
9: let an innocent man be hanged?
6: If he'd loved me as he pretended to, he would have killed Jarvis. If he'd been a man instead of a gentleman. If any of your kind were real men. Well, I've had enough of it. Take your foul present. Pretty little thing, isn't it? A little handbag, and so expensive, too. The emerald matches my eyes, does it?
9: Get out of here and take it with you.
6: No, thank you. I'm not in the market for emeralds this season, my lord. They cost too dear. (laughs)
5: We've analyzed the residue in that handbag, Inspector. Oh, good, good. What did you find? Well, quite a lot of face powder, some tobacco crumbs, and about three grains of chemically pure arsenic. Leave it here. Sergeant, bring in Mrs. Lexton. Yes, sir. Bring in the prisoner. What's the meaning of this,
6: Inspector? Please, please instruct your officers to treat me with respect. I'm not a common criminal.
5: Let
7: her go, Officer.
6: Thank you, Inspector.
7: Mrs. Lexton, have you... uh, Have you ever seen this handbag before?
6: Where did you get that?
7: I'll ask you a question. Where did you get the arsenic that we found in it?
6: I'm sure I don't know. Why don't you ask Lord
7: Rushworth? My dear Mrs. Lexton, surely you know that Lord Rushworth is in no condition to answer questions. What do you mean? Lord Rushworth died last night of the effects of arsenic poisoning.
3: (laughs)
6: And so my story draws to a close. It's a comfort to me as I sit here in the condemned cell to know that so many loyal friends still believe in my innocence, in spite of all the ungentlemanly things the Crown Prosecutor said about me during my trial. I was especially gratified at the tribute paid to the costumes I wore in the witness box. One admirer has written to compliment me on my delivery and the poise I exhibited under cross-examination. I'm told that my remarks were clearly audible in the very back row of the spectator seats, in spite of the overcrowding. And on the final day of testimony, I received that greatest of all the tributes an actress can command. My audience was moved to tears. And so, in spite of all the misfortunes that have befallen me and my loved ones, I have at last realized my life's ambition. The end.
2: Well, Mrs. Lexton... Does it meet with your approval?
6: Well, I think you might point out that I killed Lord Rushworth, too. Of course, between you, you and me, my dear, I didn't. It must have been suicide. But you know, it makes a better story. And uh, please print the photograph that was taken of me outside St. Paul's after my husband's funeral. That was the smartest frock I ever owned.
7: I think that can be arranged, Mrs. Lexton.
6: And uh, how much did you say your paper's going to pay
7: for my story? Two hundred pounds. We thought that was quite generous.
6: Well, it's not much, but it'll come in handy. They're hanging me next week, you know, and I haven't a thing to wear.
5: And so closes the story of Ivy in which Roma Wines have brought you Anne Richards as star of tonight's study in Suspense. Suspense is produced, edited, and directed by William Spear.
4: Before Miss Richards returns to the microphone, let me say a word for Roma Wines, the sponsor of Suspense. Famed hostess Elsa Maxwell recently said this about gracious entertaining.
7: Serving glorious amber-golden Roma California sherry is truly a distinguished expression of hospitality. Your guests will appreciate the delightful flavor, aroma, and color of Roma Sherry before dinner and during the evening. Serve cool.
4: From California's choicest vineyards come distinctive Roma Sherry and all other fine Roma wines. The quality of Roma wines never varies. Always the same tempting flavor, always pleasing to the palate, yet cost only pennies a glass. And the next time you use vermouth, choose Roma Vermouth. Zestful, full-flavored Roma vermouth is blended, developed, with all the traditional winemaking skill of the Roma wineries, is made and bottled in the heart of California's famous vineyards, yet surprisingly low-priced. Try Roma vermouth soon, won't you?
6: This is Anne Richards with a very important word. Our fighting men still need lots of weapons, ammunition, food, and supplies to defeat Japan, and they still depend on us at home to help pay the way there'll be one less war loan this year. So to do our share, we must buy bigger war bonds now during the seventh war loan. War bonds, remember, are the world's safest investment.
5: Thank you, Anne Richards. Next Thursday, same time, Mr. Henry Daniel will be your star of... Suspense!
4: (laughs) Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment. Throughout the world... Is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Suspense, Have Gun, Will Travel, past episodes of this podcast, and all the others at relicradio.com. Lots to listen to, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website and make it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed and next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.